It's here in the city. It's here in the city. This is here in the city. This is here in the city. I'm Sarah Harris. I'm Sarah Harris. New message. Truth should be truth. But then it depends on, in the telling, whose truth is it. We're here most Tuesdays, bringing you radio realities from the urban landscape and mapping the city with voices of creative social change in and around Los Angeles. On Pacifica Radio, powered by the people, thanks to the generous support of you, our listeners, the capable crew at KPFK, the innovators of web-based radio at SoundCloud, news you might have missed at newsdesk.org, and the community-funded reporting project, Spot Us. You can find us on the web at here in the city. That's H-E-A-R in the city.org. Good afternoon, KPFK listeners, and to those of you listening to our show on the web. Today is Tuesday, August 9th, 2011. I'm Sarah Harris. On today's show, we have a mixed bag of arts and culture happening around the city. We'll visit a community garden in Highland Park that serves as a model for urban sustainability and food security in a time of depressed real estate. The space that we're in was empty for many, many years. It was just an empty lot. No one was using it. And since the, the garden's been here, it's created a larger sense of community. Um, there's educational classes that happen here. There's uh, anything from composting to planting seeds to when to plant to potlucks and work days. And so there's a little bit of everything going on here. We review the Cuban photography show at the Getty. And we preview a group of musicians who use their bicycles as improvisational instruments. A hundred people will be tapping their top tube all at the same time and then transitioning to their, their down tube and then their C tube. And collectively, that's going to be a really neat percussive sound, especially as you change the different tubes that you're playing. Late last week, the Harbor Commission convened to consider a proposal by Los Angeles Councilwoman Jan Perry that would change the terms of a real estate agreement on the land that was once home to the South Central Farm. The 14-acre plot of land in question sits in the middle of a major truck and rail thoroughfare at 41st and Alameda. In 1980, the city seized the land from owner Ralph Horowitz to develop a trash incineration plant, but that was later stopped by strong community opposition. Under management with the Los Angeles Regional Food Bank, a group of some 300 gardeners and farmers remediated the soil and planted the site with corn, fruit trees, sugarcane, and vegetable crops. In 2006, the Harbor Commission and the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department evicted the farmers and leveled the orchards at the South Central Community Farm, 
in order to return the site to Mr. Horowitz for development. After bitter community opposition, Mr. Horowitz agreed to donate 2.6 acres of that lot for park space. Councilwoman Jan Perry has now proposed that the donation be repealed and that the land be sold instead to garment and apparel manufacturers. The Harbor Commission decided this past Thursday to ask the city council to decide how the land will be used. We'll update listeners on what the city council determines on our website here in the city. That's H-E-A-R-in-the-city.org. We'll also have photos and links to our past radio coverage of the South Central Farm there. While it may not seem fair to the gardeners, what happened to the South Central Farm is not unique. In fact, community gardens are often built on land acquired by temporary lease from a city or from private owners like Ralph Horowitz, with the understanding that the land will have to be given back at some point. With real estate stagnant in the United States, a movement is afoot in cities around the country to turn more vacant lots into food-producing garden spaces open to the public. The Los Angeles Community Garden Council is part of that movement. The Garden Council recognizes that by managing land that would otherwise be an expense and a liability, they're helping the city to save some money and providing green spaces. Here in the city, producer Luis Sierra Campos visited a community garden in Highland Park. He took a tour with council organizer Edgar Flores. My name is Edgar Flores, and we are at Milagro Allegro Community Garden in Highland Park. Uh, Milagro Allegro means a happy miracle in both Italian and Spanish, and that comes from the, the two uh, cord- uh, people who came originally came together to come up with the idea to build the garden. Um, so it's a little bit of a combination of their backgrounds and their idea of what they wanted to see out of the space. It's on the corner of... Uh, Uh, Avenue 56 and Figueroa uh, in Highland Park, right behind the Highland Park Theater. So as soon as you enter, you'd enter through a fence that was done by a local artist. Um, You enter uh, Before you enter, as you're coming down the street, you're going to notice some of the the grass that used to be between the sidewalk and the street has been converted into edibles um, and flowers and whatnot. And the idea behind it is that there's no ownership, that we will take care of it as part of the Sustainable Thursday to extend the food to the community. So if you're walking by and you see, hey, there's a tomato that's ripe, you can go ahead and take it. Um, we're, we're okay with people taking the, 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 the food, and but what we ask in return is if you take something, plant something, water, you know, come out and help. Um, we know that not everyone's going to come by and that's okay. Um, we, a lot of the people who, who help with maintain that are people who already have food. And, and once you, once you, when you grow food, you know there's always a surplus. Um, especially with something like a tomato or, or peppers or whatnot. Um, but as you enter, you start noticing uh, the mulch ground, the plots. There's uh, about 32 plots, including four educational plots, which we teach out of on Thursdays. Um, you notice flowers, tomatoes, cabbages, some uh, different herbs and whatnot. A lot of insects, both um, mainly beneficial, because um, you know a lot of the beneficials are regulating the, the, the ones that we would consider pests. Why is it important for um, people to garden, especially in a place like Highland Park right now? It's extremely important. Um, one, because it, it, cre- it reduces our, our need to import food. Um, because if 
living in Southern California, we have the ability to grow a bunch of food, right, from different parts of the world and different times of the year. Um, we are lucky enough to have a very uh, a long um, growing season because of the, the, the temperature range in LA. Um, it, it, hel it greatly helps um, build community. In every of these plots, there's somebody different, a different walk of life, and they, it creates a space for them to come together. Um, there's part of this extending the garden on Thursdays. We've we've incorporated people from who would have who don't come to the garden very often, but also who have um, who have learned to something they wanted to learn and then bring more people back. And then we've we've started expanding it online. Um, just on various websites to see who shows up and we're getting more people showing up to to contribute to this the space and the energy and the idea behind the sustainable Thursday is that you know it, it people will come and learn have fun and you know continue to keep the garden healthy and alive and whatnot why this uh, community garden in Highland Park like why create a community garden in Highland Park um, well, first of all, there was no garden before this, and um, that's one of the reasons, you know, if there's nothing there, why not start in? But more importantly, the lot that, the space that we're in was empty for many, many years. It was just an empty lot, no one was using it, and since the, the garden's been here, it's created a, a larger sense of community. Um, there's educational classes that happen here, there's uh, anything from composting, to planting seeds, to when to plant, to... Um, potlucks and work days and so there's a little bit of everything going on here. I hear compost is really easy to make. What is it and how does it how does it benefit for you to have a compost? So compost uh, is made from any living matter that basically was alive and it came from the earth and will go back to the earth and the advantage be, uh, of having the compost is that it attracts all the pests. So rather than have the pests be eating all your stuff in your plot, they're, they come out here to the compost and they eat off the, the stuff that's breaking down. Um, it attracts all kinds of insects. So, um, And as far as making it, we have an open pile here, whereas people continue to harvest and you know deal with all their stuff. They throw it over here, and then once a week on the Thursdays, um, our, kind of our warm-up for Sustainable Thursdays to turn the compost. And what we're doing is we're introducing oxygen into the pile so that it breaks down faster and it doesn't build up that smell. Um, and that's what we would call a hot compost. A cold compost is you basically just pile it up and leave it alone. Mm. And over a year, it'll break down. It'll still break down. Um, all we're trying to do is accelerate the process by introducing the oxygen. Um, we'll put in tea, um, some old tea, some old coffee, some beer. Um, and all that introduces microorganisms because the microorganisms are what's breaking down the stuff. Um, to get uh, to get in here gardening as far as growing food here in a plot, there's a lottery system that happens every other year. and um, But the garden is open every... It depends on who's inside. If there's someone inside, the gate should be open. Um, but if there's no one there, for sure, um, the garden is open from on Thursdays from 5 to 7 um, with uh, as part of the sustainability Thursday that... Myself and another compañera are working on together to uh, to expand the, the garden to the community, so it truly is a community garden. So it's not it's just not 
it just doesn't belong to the people who have a plot here, but it belongs to everyone who lives in the area, who wants to invest in the time and space to, you know, take care of the space. The Los Angeles Community Garden Council is organizing Elysian Valley residents to convert a vacant lot on the corner of Rich and Blake Street into a thriving living community garden. Elysian Valley shares similar characteristics to Highland Park, empty lots and the need for local food growth. Although this will be Elysian Valley's second community garden, Edgar Flores explains how this garden will be a little different. One of the goals out of this garden is to incorporate foster youth involved in L.A. County so that they can have um, a, a way to learn a skill, have a little bit of structure along, um, you know, as they, they move through the system and whatnot, and to uh, show them uh, unique uh, ways to... Uh, be independent. Um, we're incorporating an aquaponic system, so we'll be growing fish and uh, plants. And again, it's a way for the youth to be, build up a skill. Um, the community will also have access to this. And um, it's uh, right now it's still in the works. The, it's an empty lot. It's been empty for about 30 years. And just like here at Milagro, where it's uh, was empty for a long time, and now it's a thriving garden. That's our goal out of that, is, is to create a space so that the community of Elysian Valley can feed themselves, they can help these youth who need, um, who need the help, and so they can continue to build the, the social fabric needed to build healthy communities. For Here in the City, I'm Luis Sierra Campos. The Milagro Allegro Garden is one of 70 community gardens that serve close to 4,000 families in Los Angeles. We'll have a link to those spaces at our website, Here in the City, that's H-E-A-R in the city, dot org. This is what it is. This is what it's going to be. You are listening to Here in the City on KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles. 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara. 93.7 FM in San Diego. And 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake. An archive and a podcast of our shows is at Here in the City, that's H-E-A-R in the City, dot org. And at kpfk.org, you can like us on Facebook. If you like. And visit us at our website, hereinthecity.org. And follow us on Twitter. Cuba has been in the news lately because of Raul Castro's recent decision to break with revolutionary orthodoxy and allow for the private ownership and sale of real estate on the island. A photography exhibit on display right now in Los Angeles documents Cuban revolution through the lenses of Cuban and foreign cameras. Here in the City Arts Editor Jesse Lerner has this review. Currently on exhibit at the Getty Center in Brentwood, is an exhibition of photographs that presents three distinct moments in Cuban history, the before, during, and current state of the Cuban Revolution. While the show contains some powerful images, there is no question that as a curatorial statement about the island's political history, 
it falls far short of what one might have hoped for. The show is structured around three historical moments. The first of these, the 1930s, is documented by the unflinching camera of Walker Evans. Commissioned to provide images for a book entitled The Crime of Cuba, the journalist Carlton Beale's condemnation of Gerardo Machado's oppressive dictatorship, the 29-year-old photographer visited the island in 1933. Made before his canonical depression images for the Farm Security Administration and Let Us Now Praise Famous Men, Evans' photographs from that trip to Cuba reveal the concerns of his mature work, already well-defined. Vernacular architecture, commercial sign painting, street photography, and informal portraiture. These vintage prints from the Gettys collection are the strongest portion of the exhibition. The humanist outrage of Evans' camera is palpable. Disrupting the neo-colonial exploitation of Cuba, the guerrillas of the Sierra Maestra insert themselves in the second segment of this abbreviated history. Using iconic photographs by Corda, Osvaldo Salas, Raul Corrales, Maito, and their contemporaries, the exhibition references the fall of the Bautista dictatorship, the failed Bay of Pigs invasion, and the optimism and hope that followed the 1959 revolution. Corda's much-reproduced portrait of Ernesto Che Guevara stands on a pedestal in the middle of the gallery. This, we are told, is one of the first prints of that iconic image, a photograph closely scrutinized in Trisha Ziff and Luis Lopez's 2008 documentary, Chevolution, and the Fowler Museum's 2007 exhibition, Che Guevara, Icon, Myth, and Message. While these latter two projects aim to examine this leftist icon critically, the Getty, curiously, chooses instead to fetishize the vintage print. The pedestal displaying Che's portrait is presumably designed to show off the stamps on the back of the photo, a record of some portion of the print's travels. But it looks strangely like a modernist altar, as failed revolutionary dreams turn into collectors' treasured trophies. Amigo, con sus dientes se jubilo Norte América ríe, mas de pronto revuelves en su lecho de dólares, se le cuaja la risa en una máscara, y tu gran cuerpo de metal sube. Things get worse from here on. Which photographers are best prepared to represent Cuba's current dilemmas, still trapped in the Cold War, only without the support of the USSR, with chronic shortages and an authoritarian gerontocracy still holding on to power? Any number of names come to mind. Jose Figueroa or Carlos Garaycoa are just a few. Instead, the exhibition gives us portfolios of three outsiders. While the photographs themselves are accomplished, their visions of the island are much more stereotypical than those of any of the Cuban photographers I just mentioned. El Che's smiling face in a shop window devoid of merchandise, vintage mid-century cars from the USA, and posed portraits of prostitutes. What is missing, and badly needed, is a Cuban perspective on the complexities of the island's current situation. This absence makes for a disappointing and inadequate show, in spite of some very fine work showcased. This show, a revolutionary project, Cuba from Walker Evans to now, is on view at the Getty until October 2nd, 
We'll have links to that show on our website, Here in the City. That's H-E-A-R in the city dot org. And for our last segment on the show today, and part of our ongoing series, Two Wheels and a Mic, we go to the Los Angeles Eco Village to sit in on a rehearsal and planning session for the upcoming performance of the Bicycle Bell Ensemble. The group of seven cyclist-slash-musical artists will be leading a participatory live performance on August 21st at the Santa Monica Museum of Art as part of the third annual Tour de Arts Bicycle-Inspired event. Here in the city, bicycle contributor Patrick Miller is part of that ensemble, and here he is to introduce us to the rest of the group. So I'm Patrick Miller. Um, I'm the director of the Bicycle Bell Ensemble, and here we have... Hi, I'm Christine Kings. Hi, I'm David Simeon. Hi, Kristen Leahy. Hi, I'm Oscar Santos. Hi, I'm Arisha. Hi, I'm Somerset. The ensemble's sort of fluid, and it's, it's grown and changed over time, um, but the ensemble is everyone who shows up and participates. But this is definitely the biggest brain trust we've ever had. <laughs> well, that's some of it. Um, she want too much descriptions, right? It looks like that we're going to be ha- having a combination of uh, bells, hand and foot claps, um, uh, also playing on the bicycle frame itself, as well as also singing and perhaps using our own traditional instruments that we play ourselves, such as uh, violin, cello, uh, guitar, what are the instruments? Bass, uh, bass yeah, um, drums, keyboards, things like that that may come in near the end. That was Arisha talking. So um, what's really fun is that we're gonna have a lot. We're gonna have this great ride, and um, we're gonna introduce people to the terminology of like what parts of their frame are called, and then we're gonna give them like a chopstick that they can. Then a hundred people will be tapping their top tube all at the same time, and then transitioning to their their down tube, and then their C tube, and collectively that's gonna be a really neat percussive sound, especially as you change the different tubes that you're playing. It's kind of like, you know, imagine kind of like a mashup of a, um, like a xylophone or something like that. Give us a sec. I'll get one out. That's not a chopstick somewhere, though. Or we use... That was part of the bike frame. A pencil, a pencil would work, too. In the past, we've had different composers. Um, Our first and preliminary composer is David Simeon, who's here. And then we've also had some compositions by Oscar and um, a semi-successful or unsuccessful composition by myself was pretty experimental. It was successful. You don't know. You weren't there. (laughs) But but David's our primary composer. and, And for this particular thing, we're actually, uh, everyone's pitching in uh, because this is the biggest ensemble that we've ever done. So we're expecting three to 400 people. So we're, I mean, it's exponentially bigger than anything we've done before. So we're kind of reinventing it sort of. And um, there's going to be different groups with different parts. And so everyone's going to be pitching in to um, compose for these, these different parts. 
it's very easy to do. So whether you're a, a trained musician or not, um, you can be a part of it. And it's sort of designed so, so that it's participatory and, and that uh, it's designed so that people can just come together with very little sort of background um, in the way to play the score or in music in general and still feel like the, the accomplishment of being uh, a participant in a very large ensemble that's playing a singular work. But it's adapted for the bicycle and the bicycle bell and different parts of the, the bicycle, similar to the way that Summer was playing the frame. So so what we're trying to do is just take the idea of of a, a bicycle and sort of extend, turn it into more of an, an instrument at large. Every part of the bicycle really is sort of part, is becomes an instrument. Um, this is Patrick. Just real quick, I wanted to say that um, uh, on um, on a bike ride, on a on like a sort of a group bike ride, it would happen that you know people have bikes bells on their bikes, and occasionally somebody rings a bell, and someone else responds. And I saw some like sort of synchronicity happening, and I mean that's kind of like how this this whole thing came about. It's sort of an outgrowth of the social cycling movement. At least you know for me the draw that that kind of keeps me coming back to doing this is that it's sort of magical to hear dozens or hundreds of bells at the same time going off, um, and it, it kind of for me it's it's sort of a so, sort of a metaphor for the bicycle in the city that it's this like little tiny bright sound but when it's magnified by a lot of people it sound it's pretty magical and beautiful. by um queen's bicycle um that, that one section yeah i mean that that didn't um necessarily like inspire the inception of the bicycle bell ensemble but um at our very first performance we actually asked the dj to to throw that on bicycle 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 i want to ride my bicycle bicycle And thanks for listening this week to Here in the City. Next week, the station will be having a quick fun drive. Our show will be on a little break while we get ready for a new series about air pollution in Los Angeles. Meanwhile, you can stay up to date with our show and our reporting at Here in the City. That's H-E-A-R in the city dot org. Thank you. And that's it for Here in the City today. Special thanks to Jesse Lerner, Luis Sierra Campos, Tandisizwe Shimurenga, Daniela Gerson, Sabiha Khan, Albert Chacon, Rachel Salmon, Will Coley, Holly Harper, Karen Ness, and to you, our listeners. We will be back next week with more radio realities from the urban landscape. Until then, you can find us on the web at Here in the City. That's H-E-A-R in the city dot org. I'm Sarah Harris. Signing off. To yapping on. When you go in and out, may you have peace and level and safe. Yes. Be safe. Peace.
Aquí se queda la clara 